they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers at our new time. This is Thursday morning, 8 a.m. And uh, Mary Danielle and I are here to share the Bible with you. Today's topic is the precious blood of Jesus and the Bible, because this is the month the Catholic Church dedicates to the precious blood of Jesus, the month of July. Mary Danielle, nice to hear from you, my love. <laughs> Thank you. Reporting for duty, sir. I bet you are reporting. Mary, I know you did some research on the Bible and the precious blood, and I've got some interesting things that some of the saints have said about that. So why don't we uh, start with our gospel of the day for Thursday morning and uh, give us a, a, a commentary on that, please. All right. And the gospel for Thursday morning is Matthew 10, 7, 15. We're in the 14th week of ordinary time. And Jesus said to his apostles, as you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Without cost, you have received. Without cost, you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts. No sack for the journey or second tunic or sandals or walking stick. The laborer deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your word, go outside the house or the town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Sodom and Gomorrah? What? We know what happened there. <laughs> yes, we do. They were God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah exactly. for their sins, and yet he's saying on the day of judgment, yes. in other words, the their destruction wasn't their final judgment. Right. Um, and that's we'll get into that. But Jesus is saying to his apostles, like he's, he's sending his apostles out. Mm-hmm. What are they supposed to proclaim? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out the demons. And he tells him, without cost you have received, so without cost you are to give. They're not supposed to take any money with them. They're not even supposed to take copper for their belts. They're not supposed to take a sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals. Right. Not even a walking stick. <laughs> Nothing. Well, Why? They're supposed to give without cost, but yet Jesus says the labor deserves his keep. What is he saying? That those who receive the gospel should be willing to give to their, the person who preaches to them, that person's support for the day. And I want to give an example here. In the Catholic church, we have mass stipends. And if we ask a priest to offer mass for an intention, we will give the priest a donation. That's right. Now, some people misunderstand that and think that we're buying masses. No, we're fulfilling this command. The laborer deserves his keep. If I ask the priest to offer the mass, then I'm supposed to give the priest his support for the day or if, you know, part of his support for the day anyway. Sure. But that's, it's not about buying the mass. Mm -hmm. It's about 
supporting the priest in his need because the priest isn't supposed to have to go out to work and then you know be a be a part-time priest and a, and a you know full-time worker but a part-time priest no he's supposed to and th this was you know full-time constantly evangelizing constantly giving the gospel and yeah i don't charge for it but nonetheless for those who receive that's why we donate to the parish is to support the priest and to support the needs of the parish to take care of the buildings to pay the bills the light bills the you know the the taxes the gas yeah. bills all that okay so they're they're preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand now with that they given they're given the power to cure the sick and to raise the dead that doesn't mean that every one of the sick people who were came in contact with the with the apostles any more than any every one of the sick persons who came in contact with Jesus was cured. Not every dead person who died during the time Jesus walked on this earth, the apostles walked, was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. Not every leper was cleansed. Not every demon was driven out. God gives his gifts as he chooses to give them. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. And the suffering that we go through in life is a, is a result of original sin. God did not make sin. He did not make death. It came into the world as an intrusion. And yet, nonetheless, he redeems its meaning so that now it can bring about salvation in union with Jesus Christ. So we unite our sufferings with him. So God isn't going to take away all our sufferings. We can ask him to remove any particular suffering in our life. But at the same time, like Jesus in the, in, at the, in the garden said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by, but not my will, but thine be done. So always, yes, Lord, if it's possible, remove this suffering, but not my will, but thine be done. But give me the unflagging health, um, courage, and strength to bear whatever it is you're asking me to bear. Okay. So, and then he, he tells them to go into a town. And what are they supposed to wish to, a, to any house that receives them? Peace. Yeah. And remember, this is the peace that Christ gives, not as the world gives. This is the peace of Christ. And the peace of Christ doesn't necessarily remove all, remove all suffering, but it gives us the knowledge that we are loved and in the midst of suffering, that our suffering has meaning, great meaning. Our suffering is redemptive. And that brings us a peace, a union with God. Now, if anyone's not, they're not willing to accept that, that the, the apostles and their, and their message, the peace, if there's no one worthy in the house of the peace of Christ, mm -hmm. the peace will return to the apostles. It won't stay with the house. So there is this sense that, you know, maybe we have to prepare ourselves for accepting the gospel. There are things we have to do to prepare our hearts to receive the grace of God. Well said. And, yeah. And sometimes we don't think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, God, you know, whatever. As a matter of fact, was, was it recently we heard a priest, uh, someone on a, a Catholic radio station say, oh, you, you know, you don't have to ask God forgiveness for your sins. Mm -hmm. You don't? Well, well I, think, I think this is clear here that, yeah, we have to prepare ourselves That's to receive the forgiveness. And part of that preparation is to say, I'm sorry. Lord, I, I offended you and I am sorry. You know, David repented. Psalm 51, you know, have mercy on me, O God, in your kindness and your compassion blot out my offense. Yes, we do ask for forgiveness. Yeah, God's more than willing to forgive us before we ask. But do we, if we don't ask, we can't receive. You know, just like that peace can't come on upon us if we're not a peaceable person. Right. Then we have to be willing to, we have to be able to repent of our sins in order to receive. We have to, you know. So 
one of the things that's interesting is he says that if they won't receive you, go shake the dust from your feet right. in testimony against them. And so now the gospel of the kingdom is being preached. Jesus Christ has come. He is the fulfillment of the whole Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of all the promises that God made. And what is, what is it saying? If we're not willing to accept Christ, Jesus goes on to say, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah for the, than for those of us who reject Christ outright. Wow. Whoa. Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped out the face of this earth for their sins. And, and, and I said, I'd get into that. Mm -hmm. God will only tolerate so much evil before he comes and passes judgment. Do we know this definitively? Noah, read Genesis six. Mm -hmm. It's very clear. The wickedness of man had abounded so much on earth that God would no longer tolerate the multiplication of wickedness. And he destroyed the earth with the exception of Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives, eight people, and the animals that were on the ark with Noah. Again, Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does he say? Their wickedness cries out to me. Okay. So when we are wicked, God can only tolerate it for so long. And then he's going to say, that's it enough. I'm going to let you be chastised. And that chastisement is meant to stop the sinning and to bring us to our knees and bring us to repent. And it's interesting in our own time, people are saying, well, you know, what about this COVID-19 and what about the, you know, violence in the streets? And we've had 47 years in our country, mm -hmm. 47 years of legalized abortion in our country alone. Right. Little innocent children are being murdered every single day by direct induced surgical abortion yeah mary okay. that doesn't even include the contraceptive abortions where people have uh, the babies conceived and and nobody goes to a clinic they're just aborted through uh you know through because of the, right because the chemical it, when we when you when women women take contraceptives they're not always contraceptive they don't always prevent conception but they do make it so that any baby is conceived cannot fully develop so that those pregnant those babies are lost through miscarriage. And it, it, it's not even numbered, it's not even considered, but the, it is known, absolutely known that yes, there's a certain number of, in every so many cycles, a, a woman on contraceptives will conceive a child. And oftentimes those child children are miscarried. And so God can only tolerate this for so long. And believe me, the violence in the womb against children is going to play out in the streets. That's it just happens when you when you commit violence against the most innocent in the society, mm -hmm. that violence will play out in the streets against everyone. And people say, you know, we don't want, like to compare the United States of America with, with Nazi Germany, but the difficulty is in the one aspect, there is a comparison. Only that aspect is an aspect that nobody's talking about. And that aspect is specifically the aspect of the disrespect for human life through abortion, contraception, and euthanasia. They were doing that in, in Germany before the Nazis took over. Under the Nazis, they continued it, and that's what led to the violence against them. Well said, Mary Danielle. We come back from the Bible with the Barbers. We're going to talk about the month of July as the precious blood of Jesus, and much more inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church. We'll be right back. 
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers on our new time, which is 8 a.m., to nine on Thursdays. You can always listen to it on podcast. Bishop Joseph Strickland has our spot now on Tuesdays at noon after the Terry and Jesse show. I want you to really consider listening to the good bishop because he has a lot to talk about. I think it's the Ten Commandments he's working on and talks about the cultural issues of the day. But today on the Bible on the Barbers, we're talking about the precious blood of Jesus in Holy Communion because this is the month, July, that the church dedicates to the precious blood. And Mary Danielle, I've been asked her to give us some biblical references so we have a real biblical understanding of the precious blood of Christ. Amen. And and again, we were talking at the end of the first section about the gospel for Thursday morning and that the judgment that God will deliver, God will pronounce on those who um, defy his law and don't follow his laws. And that in our own times that we have for 47 years in our country legally, and it wasn't, it's not, the people didn't vote this in. It was five men on the Supreme Court who legalized abortion, um, not, not interpreting the Constitution, but making law based on a misinterpretation, right. uh, on a new, writing a new interpretation. But it, it's not hopeless. 
I want you, I want everybody to realize we have hope. And what is our hope? And that's what we want to talk about today. The precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ can wash upon us and make us clean. Why did Jesus even come? Why did he come? At the Last Supper, what does he say when he institutes the Eucharist? He says, this is my body, which will be given up for you. And then he says, this is my blood of the covenant. And in Luke, it's, he says, the new covenant in my blood. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is establishing the new covenant. And how does he establish it? He establishes it in his blood, in the shedding of his blood. Well, why does he have to shed his blood? Well, in Hebrews, we're told, in the book of Hebrews, we're told that there is no forgiveness of sins mm-hmm. without the shedding of blood. Is there any precedent? I mean, remember, scripture, and I do want to make this comment because it is very important. And Monsignor mentioned this the other day at Mass, that all of Scripture is God's holy word. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger told us this, yep. approach Scripture with simple faith. Can you repeat Bel- that, Mary? Because that is something that the modern uh, and biblical scholars, they're just the opposite. They come from it with doubt. Go ahead and say it one more time, please. Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger said, approach Scripture with simple faith faith. Amen. Believe that this is God's word and that God is speaking to you and that he's not going to deceive you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that unfortunately we have many scholars who actually have said you have to read scripture with an attitude of doubt. You have to question everything in it. Yeah. That's not what the church teaches. That's right. And so the precious blood of Jesus, the whole Old Testament, the whole Old Testament was a preparation for the coming of the Messiah, Amen. the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the people didn't know that the Messiah would be God made man. And, and it was Jesus when he came who revealed that he was God made man, that he had taken to himself a human nature. And he really was God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Right. The, the Old Testament, the Jews didn't even know that there was a Trinity that there was a father, son, and Holy spirit, that God was not a solitude unto himself, but a Trinity of persons. Right. And so Jesus comes and he reveals the father to us because he reveals himself as the son. And, but the whole old Testament is prefiguring. And what do you have in the old Testament? Well, when Hebrews were in Egypt and in order to deliver them from slavery, when God sends Moses to deliver them from slavery, he tells them to sacrifice a lamb, a year old male, without any broken bones, without blemish, and take the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorposts. And what is that going to do? When the angel of death passes through Egypt, he will pass over the houses that are marked by the blood of the lamb. And so Jesus in the New Testament is introduced to us in the gospel of John by John the Baptist by the gospel of John, John the evangelist, by John the Baptist as the lamb. Look, there is the lamb of God. Well, what happened in the Old Testament? The blood of the lamb freed the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. But it wasn't just physical bondage that was the major problem. It was the slavery to sin and idolatry. They had been led into worshiping the false gods of the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And so God is freeing them from that and bringing his people back to himself to make himself, again, their center because God is God and we are not. (laughs) Amen. And the first commandment, I am the Lord, your God, and you shall not have strange gods before me. You know, we're supposed to love the Lord, the God, our God, with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, with all our strength. So 
the blood of the lamb in the Old Testament delivers the people from bondage to slavery, but also bondage to the slavery of idolatry. So now Jesus comes in the New Testament as as the lamb of God who sheds his blood to free us from sin. And in John 6, he said that. He said, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. So again, the Eucharist. When we share in the Eucharist, we are really eating the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Not as he existed on earth 2,000 years ago, but his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity. And Mary, can I jump in? Padre Pio said something that I'm sure he thought of it from John 6. He said, he remarked that the world could more readily exist without the sun than without the Eucharist. I'm talking about the S-U-N, the sun. What a remarkable statement by a saint. It's imperative, therefore, to take account of what we gain from the great gift of the Eucharist in our lives and also what we lose due to the terrible effects of Eucharistic deprivation. In other words, when we don't come to see Jesus, we're losing graces. So I want to just encourage at this moment, Mary, people to make visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Now, here at our Sacred Heart Chapel, people come out throughout the day and the night to to visit Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, and that's such a great thing. And I would also add this as an action item for the show, is spend an hour a week at least making an hour of adoration and that'll change your life. Mary, there's one more saint, St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor. He also said this about uh, the Eucharist. He's, he, he's known as the Eucharistic doctor, as you know, because of his writings on the church's greatest uh, sacrament, our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity. His prayer after Holy Communion, it's right in our Roman Missal, states succinctly the effects of receiving Holy Communion. He asked that Holy Communion be for him a helmet of faith and a shield of goodwill, and that it would, here's here's his prayer, just a second, it says, purify me from evil ways, put an end to my evil passions, wow, may it bring me charity, patience, humility, obedience, and growth in the power to do good, may it be my strong defense against all my enemies, visible and invisible, and a perfect calming of all my evil impulses, body and spiritual, Mary, sign me up, don't you want that, folks? I sure do. Continue, Mary. I just had to share that doctor of the church points about the Eucharist. I get excited every time I see that prayer. Amen. And, and when we eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, we need to do so in a worthy manner. Amen. And if you read in the, the letter to the Corinthians, um, Corinthians 1.10. Yes. Warning. And then in, in Corinthians 1.11. Yes. Um St. Paul in, in Corinthians 1, 10, 16 tells us that, that the cup that we drink is a participation in the blood of Christ. That's right. So when we receive the Eucharist, we are participating in the blood of Christ. Jesus Christ himself, and that's what he told us in John 6, to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they, they thought he was talking about cannibalism. Mm-hmm. And they didn't understand that because he's God, he would be able to give himself to them under the appearance of bread and wine, but truly him, but in his risen, ascended, glorified state. So 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, 
Um, oh, I'm in Second Corinthians. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, whoops. Let's get, let's get to First Corinthians here. Right. You know, you got to get the right verse here. It says, "The cup of blessing which we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Mm-hmm. And the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ?" And it's this participation in the Eucharist that actually makes the body of Christ on earth, the church. We all become members one of another within the church. But in 1 Corinthians 11, he goes on to say something else that's often missed and people don't read. And we really need to read and take this to heart and realize he says something. He said who in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven and following. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment unto himself. And in the commentary, and I am using the Ignatius Study Bible that Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch do the commentary on. Right. And of course, they're taking their commentary from, they're very deeply rooted in the fathers of the church, right. in the tradition of the church. Unworthy manner, receiving Eucharistic communion can be an act of sacrilege and self-condemnation if done in a state of serious sin. Serious sin means mortal sin. Mm-hmm. If we knowingly receive the Eucharist in the state of mortal sin, if we know that we commit a serious moral evil and we haven't gone to confession before going to communion then that's what he's referring to right for paul to sin against the body and blood in this way is to be liable for the lord's violent death so when we do that if we receive sacrilegious communions we are participating in the crucifixion of our lord now, we weren't there physically, but mystically, yes, we're there, and we're adding to his suffering. Well, let me jump in, Mary, because I think that's one of the effects of our country right now and our world, that there are sacrilegious communions. St. Thomas Aquinas goes on to ask that the Lord will have mercy on him, a sinner, and lead him safely through death to everlasting happiness in this Eucharistic time. That's quite a, a lineup of spiritual benefits receiving Holy Communion. In short... The Eucharist bestows both virtue of spiritual protection, even from our own unredeemed nature. So what happens then if a whole society, especially our church, is deprived of those benefits? The answer is clear, Mary. Look at the news today. I'm convinced right now that there's so much evil going on. If you think about it, people aren't going to Holy Communion worthily. They're not even getting to Mass as often as we should when we have churches closed it seems like there's a connection. Would you agree that the the, the sacraments aren't, especially confession, isn't, it's very difficult for people to get to confession right now, and I think that that's one of the effects. I hear the music on, Mary. I want you to get your comment on that, see what your thoughts are, see if there's a connection between the sacraments not being celebrated properly and the evil that's going on in the world. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the precious blood of Jesus in the month of July on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code DMPR to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.covenanteyes.com code VMPR live porn free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. I just was talking to my wife about the connection between worthily receiving Holy Communion and, and not even going to Mass and the graces that are lacking in the Church right now for worthy Holy Communions. Is that affecting the world in a negative way, Mary. What's your take on that? And, and I believe it is, Terry, and I, it's good you bring that up. In the Old Testament, when Israel was taken into exile, what was it that they were taken into exile for? Mm. Because they had set up shrines to pagan gods and they were worshiping pagan gods. Right. And, and, and you know, remember, God, there were 12 tribes. And after the death of Solomon, the kingdom was split. Ten tribes in the north called Israel and two tribes in the south called Judah. Now, Israel in the north was taken into exile first because all of the kings of Israel led the people into idolatry because they didn't want the people to go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice to the Lord because they thought, well, if they do that, they'll give their loyalty back to the king in Judah. So they set up altars to false gods, to the gods of the pagans. And they said, here, worship here. So there were no kings in Israel who led their people in the 
practice of the worship of God. Now, there were kings in Judah who also led their people into idolatry, mm -hmm. but there was a good king. And after Israel goes into exile, um, the, the Babylonians are coming against the southern kingdom, but Hezekiah had become king. And Hezekiah, when he became king, restored the proper worship of God. He had destroyed all of the altars of the false gods. He had restored the temple. He had restored the proper worship of God. And when, when Nebuchadnezzar, when, um, excuse me, when um, Babylon, Babylon comes against, well, Assyria, excuse me, it was Assyria, comes against the southern kingdom, Shennacherib, comes against the southern kingdom, he sends a letter to Hezekiah saying, look, I've conquered everybody. Don't let your God fool you into thinking that he can deliver you from me. And Hezekiah takes the letter into the Lord and says, basically, I'm paraphrasing right. making the story short. The story short. Um, what are you going to do about it, Lord? Mm -hmm. And that night, the angel of the Lord went through the Assyrian camp and 185,000 Assyrians died. Wow. In one night, hmm. they had to go back to Assyria shamefaced because they hadn't even, you know, had a battle. And 185,000. So when the proper worship was restored, God Himself fought the battle for the people. So I think there is a direct connection. I think if we read the Old Testament, God makes it very clear. He makes it abundantly clear. When we are faithful, the Lord fights the battles for us. And the greatest battle He has to fight for us is the battle with ourselves against sin. Well, that we makes sense. Give up our sin. That makes sense. I hear our grandson uh, chipping in on the topic, so I appreciate that, Bo. Keep it up. Mary Danielle, um, as, as the Bible from the Old Testament, kind of, there's prefigurements, there's, there's typologies in the Old Testament that the New Testament shows. And as you continue to share the uh, precious blood with us from Corinthians, and you you show what the Old Testament people, Israel, Israelis did, Israelites, Israelites. It just seems like we're repeating history over and over again. Is that is that pretty much what we're doing right now? We we tend to do that, and, and here's the history we tend to repeat. You know, it's 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 it goes back to the garden, right? Yep. God made Adam and Eve in a state of grace. Right. They were immaculately created, and so they were given one commandment: don't eat from the tree in the center of the garden and um and they they go hanging around that tree and they they do eat it yeah. because why because if they eat it they'll be like god and it will give them a knowledge that god has so without god's help they're going to be like god and without god's help they're going to decide what's good and evil and they're going to make it for themselves and over and over again we repeat this story now that story didn't end up well <laughs> No. no, they didn't die immediately, but God had given them preternatural gifts, gifts that were above and beyond their nature. They never would have died if they had not sinned. They never would have had disease if they had not sinned. They wouldn't have difficulty in learning. They would know things, infused knowledge mm -hmm. they would have. Yeah. And they lost all of that. Yeah. And so we die. We get sick. We don't have infused knowledge. We have to study hard to get the knowledge we want to get. And we repeat this over in Israel. That, you know, the people, they, they, for a while, they might be good and they would follow God and then they get tired of it. And then, then they turn to idolatry or they complain against God. And then God has to chastise them and then they turn back. And even though Jesus Christ has come, 
And he established his church, by the way, in his blood in the in Acts 20. It tells us that um, that it was that he established his church through his own blood. He 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 what was it from heaven? He came and saw her to be his holy bride with his own blood. He bought her and for his life he died. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you guardians to feed the church of the Lord, which he obtained with his own blood. And that's Acts 20, 28. Jesus obtained the church with his own blood and he established one church, his church. But again, what do we do? Well, Lord, you know, it's hard to keep your commandments. Lord, the people around us are all pagans. You know, can't we just fit in? Can't we just get along? Can't we just um, not stick out? Do we have to be different? And over and over again, it seems like we don't learn the lesson. And, you know, there was a saying in vogue a while. I don't know, maybe it's still in vogue among some people. Christians aren't different. They're just forgiven. Well, I would beg to differ with that. I would beg to say, no, Christians are different because they are forgiven. We're different, not because we put ourselves above others or because we separate ourselves deliberately, but we choose to live in the will of God and to be ruled by the will of God and not by sin. Right. And if we're going to do that, especially in our world today, we are going to look different than other people because we live in a world that is ruled by sin and falsity. One of the things that a good priest told me recently, he said, you know, more than, more than an end to COVID, we need to pray for the triumph of truth. Right. We need to, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth and the life. It's not my truth and your truth or whatever truth I want to make up. I'm not God. I don't decide what's right and wrong. God told us what's right and wrong. He tells us, he reveals it to us. Mary, let me jump in for a minute. What I thought you're saying is something that we mentioned on the Terry and Jesse show, that we're not meant to just blend into the culture that we're in. We're supposed to help redeem the culture by our Christian Catholic values. And so what I see happening, Mary, is a lot of us Catholics uh, are voting and, and acting like secular people but in other words the pew research shows that catholics values especially on the life issues are very similar to the secular values of people and that is a combination for us in my opinion that we're supposed to be different we're supposed to act differently we're supposed to um, be the leaven for the society but if we just blend in with the culture and just be like any other joe six-pack who's a secular person that's not being a, a, a Catholic because we're called to evangelize. We're called to sanctify the temporal order. And we can't do that if we have the same values of the world. And so I see that happening right at this very time. And so for our listeners, I would encourage our listeners to take that extra step and be bold. Um, I know we're dealing right now with uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland's Ten Commandments, but he mentioned a thing that I thought was very good on the, not having hearing the second commandment on the Lord's n- name being blasphemed. That when these things happen in our culture, and we hear God's name being blasphemed. It's on TV, it's on movies, it's in our, at our banks, wherever we go. Say a little prayer, say, praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. And I think that that's a witness to say that's offensive. And so this is how we're going to redeem the secular world by not having the same values 
of the secular people, but having a supernatural outlook on life, that life is short and eternity is forever. And without that, in my opinion, Mary, they, we aren't going to be able to affect the secular world unless we are on fire for the faith and that we think and, and vote differently, we act differently, we act like our goal is heaven. And that's the question we could ask ourselves at the end of the day, if was there enough evidence today to convict me of being a Christian? Amen. Amen. And it's so true. We, we, we're not, Jesus Christ told his apostles, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Okay. So if salt loses its flavor, what are you going to do? It's good for nothing but be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Exactly. You know, light of the world, if you hide your light under a bushel basket, it's not going to illumine anyone. Right. So, and it's not, we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. Nope. We don't go out there, I'm Christian, look at how good I am. I'm so good. I'm so, no, no. It's that beautiful prayer of uh, radiating Christ that John Henry Newman wrote, St. John Henry Newman, and that Mother Teresa's sisters pray after Holy Communion every day because Mother Teresa, you know, dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance everywhere I go. Penetrate and uh, fill me with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so other, utterly that my life may be only a radiance of yours. Mm. Live in me and shine through me so that others may see the light. The light, oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be from me. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you in the way that you love best by shining on those around you. Let me preach you without preaching, not by my words, but by my example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of my life, the evident fullness that my of the love that my heart bears to you. Uh, Mary, so it's about- yeah, it's not. Let me just jump in. I hear Bo. This reminds me of a Bible study in our living room. So, folks, if you're welcoming, I'm welcoming <laughs> you into our home. You've got our grandson wanting to talk, and that's a good Bible study to have a little baby there listening. But I also want to re- recommend that Mary does Bible study every Tuesday night. I know it was a packed house last night, Mary, because you had to do it up in stairs. But I want to give a reach out to next Tuesday, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary does about a two-hour Bible study. And, uh, yeah, I would invite you to come to that. And when we come back, we'll finish up with the precious blood of Christ and the Holy Eucharist. This is the month of July for the precious blood of Jesus. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. We'll be right back with much more on the Bible with the Barbers. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it.
How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you for joining us, the Bible with the Barbers. It's like you're having, I'm having you in my living room with my grandson and my wife, and we're talking about the Bible, our family heirloom. And Mary Danielle, we're talking about the precious blood of Jesus, because this is the month, July, all month long, that's dedicated to the precious blood. Amen. And we want to understand the blood of Jesus and what it means. And, and you know, it, it's funny. I, I remember a priest saying one time, he said, you know, you don't believe there's a hell? Well, look at the crucifix. If there weren't a hell, why would Jesus go through all of that? It's the greatest um, manifestation, the greatest proof that there is a hell is the crucifix. Because why would Jesus go through all that suffering if there wasn't something very real and very terrible he wanted to spare us of? Right. But at the same time, it's the greatest manifestation of the love of heaven. Because what kind of love is this that would go through all of this suffering? Jesus didn't die to redeem his friends. He died to redeem us when we were his enemies. You know, it says that, you know, for a good man, a man, for a good person, a man might be able to lay down his life. But this is wherein the love of God is proved because even while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. While we were estranged from God and his sinners. So what does the blood of Christ do for us? It expiates our sin. It justifies us. We have redemption through his blood. Mm -hmm. We are brought near to God through the blood of the cross. We, Christ makes peace between us and God by the blood of the cross. Mm -hmm. All of this is, and this is all in the New Testament. If, you, if anyone has the Ignatius Study Bible, you can go to the, um, there's a, if you have the Ignatius Study Bible New Testament, there's a, a concise concordance there. And you can go look up blood. And in the back, it will give you all the references. And you can look up all these passages in Acts, in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, in mm -hmm. Ephesians, in Colossians, in Hebrews, in 1 Peter, in 1 John, in Revelation. 
And of course, in the in the Gospels where Jesus establishes the the, the Eucharist at the Last Supper, and in John six where he tells us that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, so that by his blood he is redeeming us and bringing us back to Christ. And we're told, you know, remember Abel, Cain and Abel, Abel was jealous of his brother Cain. And so Cain, excuse me, Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. Mm -hmm. Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. And Cain kills Abel because he was jealous. And God says to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain replies, well, am I my brother's keeper? And he says, Cain, your brother's blood cries out from the soil for vengeance. You murdered him for no reason other than you were jealous, and it cries out for vengeance. And we're told in the book of Hebrews that the blood of Christ speaks more eloquently than the blood of Abel. Only the blood of Christ doesn't cry out to the, from the soil for vengeance. What does it cry out for? for our expiation, for our justification, for our redemption, for our being brought near to God, for our being made at peace with God. And it's not the blood of goats anymore. It's Christ's own blood, which is the blood of the new covenant. And so we enter into the sanctuary through the blood of Christ, and it speaks more eloquently than the blood of Abel. So this is the eternal covenant that God came to establish. And Christ's blood is crying out to the Father, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He's begging the Father to forgive us our sins. And even in our own day, as I spoke about at the beginning when we were talking about the gospel and the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and the, the chastisement that was given to Sodom and Gomorrah and to the whole world at the time of Noah because of their sin, and that, yes, God is chastising our world for the sin of abortion, for the killing of the innocent children all throughout the world, not just in the United States, but over 2 billion children have been killed through surgical abortion, mm. not to mention how many more have been killed through the use of what they call contraceptives, which do cause spontaneous abortions. And so that's all crying out. The blood of the innocent children cries out to God for vengeance. There are sins that cry out to God for vengeance. And abortion is one of them. And yet the blood of Christ is crying out for mercy. Have mercy on them, Father. He's begging his Father to have mercy. But we do, are we asking? Are we begging God to rid us of this culture of death where we no longer value the human person as made in the image of God? Right. That's so beautiful, Mary. I, I'm loving it. And, you know, I, I just I got inspired listening to this to say that, you know, with the precious blood of Jesus, I mean, this is the source and summit of the Christian life. I think of something that we would call the spiritual warrior's creed, and, and that is something that we need today. All of us are called to this, and this is adopted from a soldier's creed that I got. And it says, I am a soldier of God. I am a spiritual warrior and member of Team Jesus. Now we, have, we changed it, as you can see. I serve the people of God and live the Christian values and virtues. I shall always place the mission first. I shall never quit. Surrender is not an option. I shall never leave a fallen Catholic comrade. I am disciplined. I'm physically, mentally, morally, and spiritually tough. I'm trained, proficient in my spiritual warrior task and skills. 
I always maintain my spiritual weapons, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert in the sure knowledge and the practice of my Catholic faith. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of God and of the souls in close immortal combat. I am a guardian of the glorious freedom of the children of God and the Christian way of life. Now, why do I pray that prayer daily? I should pray something like that that gives you motivation. It's the Eucharist that gives us the strength to proclaim Christ. And so even in between the breaks, Mary, as you know, we have the Blessed Sacrament here at our chapel, maybe 50, 60 feet away. So at the break time, I went in and prayed, and I said, Jesus, please inspire our listeners to fall deep in love with you and the Blessed Sacrament, especially under the title of the Precious Blood. So, Mary, we have a few minutes to wrap up the show. What else would you like to share on the Precious Blood? Well, I want to share the, the from the Revelation, Revelation 5, 9, Good. Revelation 7, 14, and yes. Revelation 12, 11. Again, right. there, there is, in Revelation 5, 9, John the Evangelist sees the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And there's a song sung to the Lamb. And in that song, those singing to him say, by your blood, you ransom men for God. Mm-hmm. So it is by his blood. And, and again, when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive him whole and entire, Amen. body, blood, soul, and divinity in his risen, ascended, glorified state. And he washes us in his precious blood. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 7, 14, it says that the, that the saints have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That in the Old Testament, you had this practice where the, the robes of the priests were sanctified with the blood of the sacrifice. And so in the New Testament now, it is the blood of the lamb that sanctifies us. And it makes us clean because it washes away all sin, all stain and all impurity. And in Revelation 12, of course, you have that vision of the woman clothed with the sun and the, the dragon who is there to devour her child, who is unable to devour her child. But a war breaks out in heaven. And um, there's a song again that is sung. And it says, they defeated him by the word of their testimony. And they, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. So the saints have stood against the falsehood of this world of their own flesh and of the devil. And they've done it through the blood of the lamb. It is only in through, with, and in Jesus Christ that we have salvation. Right. And he is the source. And it's his precious blood that strengthens us and makes us whole and yeah. makes us holy. He is the one. And so we want to immerse ourselves in his precious blood. And of course, in the Eucharist, especially, as Jesus said, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood. And again, he's not talking about cannibalism because he's God. And he feeds us on his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity. As, it, as he is in heaven, so is he in the Eucharist. And he gives himself to us. And his precious blood is what will give us the strength to overcome all sin. And our devotion to him in the Eucharist will be what will make us able to conquer our own flesh. Amen. So if we have addictions, if we have, you know shortcomings, if we have sins, 
Be devoted to Jesus in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. Go to mass as often as possible. Receive Jesus worthily. Go to confession frequently and regularly so that you're ready to receive him every time you go to mass. But make visits to Jesus in the blessed sacrament. Spend as much time as the duties in your state in life will allow you in thanksgiving after receiving him in holy communion. Recently in confession, the priest told me, because I, I mean, I told him, I said, these are dark times and it's dark and I, I feel the darkness. I feel the weight. It, mm. it weighs me down. And he said, when you go to Holy Communion, look at Jesus and just thank him and praise him and glorify him for having come to you and that he's with you now and trust that he's going to give you the strength. And it, it makes a difference. Yep. So we need to we need to really focus on this and realize that his precious blood is the source of our salvation and that he's present to us in the Eucharist. He still remains Emmanuel. God is God with us. Mary, can I jump in and just say I would an action item we just did on the Terry and Jesse show was a holy hour a week. One holy hour per week. And folks, if you live in Southern California and you want to come to our chapel to make it, do it. But I think at this point in history right now, we are in desperate need of prayers. And we need communion with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And going to make a holy hour, being in the presence of Christ, is a great way to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his bride, the church. So I would encourage you, once a week, say on one day of the week, I'm going to take an hour and just be there with Jesus. Mary, I hear the music is on. And wow, I, I, I've learned a lot also from the precious blood on the Old Testament and New Testament. And, and Mary, wouldn't it be good just to reread John 6, chapter 6, on the Eucharistic discourse? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and anyone, as I said, anyone who has the Ignatius Study Bible, go ahead and go to that little concordance in mm-hmm. the back and look up the blood and look up those passages and read them. Great. And, and again, um, it's Thursday. I am still doing a Thursday afternoon oh, Bible right. study. Yep. I believe we have a funeral at the chapel Thursday today. Yeah, we do. So um, I will do the Bible study either outside or um, in this somewhere. Yeah, somewhere there at, at in the, the office. We have a big room. In the office or outside. So Absolutely. If anyone wants to come to the Thursday afternoon Bible study, we'll be there. All right. And we're going to be looking at uh, still at Romans. But thank you so much for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Give thanks to Jesus for his precious blood. Give thanks to him for all that he does for us. And visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And make spiritual communions whenever you can. Get to Mass to receive him in Holy Communion. Amen, sister. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.